This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking, uh, I think it's a Monday. I don't fucking know. I've lost track of days. Why wasn't on last night? Because I walked in the bedroom and Socks was asleep in the bed. And I'm like, oh, kitty, you look so comfy. I'm going to lay down with you for a second. And then I woke up a couple hours later. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm going to watch a movie. So I watched Scarface in 4K. It is such a Monday. It is such a Monday. That is true. I'm sorry you have a case of the Mondays. My apologies to everybody for their case of the Mondays. Except for Warlord, it's probably Tuesday for him at this point in time. I'm not high enough for any of this shit. Take some fuck it all. What are we going to talk about tonight? You guys you guys decide. I didn't put together a show. That's not true. I actually have notes. Steve Bannon gave an impassioned speech today as he was turning himself in. Warlord mentions the... The trial... I guess he's referring to the Rittenhouse trial. The jury will begin deliberation tomorrow. I thought like, oh, are they going to send it to the jury tonight? We could get a verdict tonight. Like, I don't, I don't expect them to deliberate long. I kind of thought it would be tonight, but apparently it took a hell of a long time for closing arguments. They just wrapped up maybe about an hour ago or so. The jury will begin deliberations tomorrow. That's not the only case we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the McMichael case in Georgia for the killing of Amand Aubrey. There were some fireworks with the judge and the defense attorney in that case. We're going to play the video and you tell me if you think that the defense attorney sounds a little racist. We're going to watch people watch clips of Lauren Boebert and see if they can determine if it's real life or an SNL skit. Dr. Fauci says you can go home for the holidays and feel good about it if everyone in your household is vaxxed. I swear I do not do this on purpose. It was the first post that wasn't me. <laughs> I swear. Dan Grinshaw was just the first fucking thing that came up in my timeline. Because Facebook fucking knows. Facebook knows. It's, it's spying on all of us. I'm not going to give in to temptation though. Even though Dan Crenshaw is the first post, I'm not going to give in to the temptation and do the thing about the eye pussy. He mentions Beto O'Rourke had an announcement 
We're going to talk about that. Plus, uh, how is Matt Gates still in Congress? We're going to talk about Senator Patrick Leahy announcing his retirement. Uh, rumors are swirling that Jerry Nadler may be retiring. I find all of this to be very good. Very good. We're going to watch uh, Kyle Rittenhouse's mom go on Sean Hannity. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Senator Barrasso. Senator Barrasso was on with ABC, refused to condemn the mob chanting to hang Mike Pence. But first, starting off tonight, I would give anything, anything in the world to piss in Dan Crenshaw's open eye hole. Oh my God, I hit you with the fake out. Ah, You didn't think I was going to do it, but I did it. Maybe I am high enough for this shit. Here's Joe Biden signing the bipartisan infrastructure bill into law. Oh, my mask. Don't let the man forget his mask. He's got Pelosi. He's got Schumer. Secretary Buttigieg. The Fed Chairman Janet Yellen bringing up the back there. I know what you mean. It's the only reason I did stop. It is a bipartisan group. Some of the Republicans did join him. But there's 30 of you up here. I, no wonder he wanted his fucking mask. Oh, you see, Senator Cinema kind of sticks out uh, because of her attire. Yeah. Bravo. I don't. I don't think I would have wanted to. Uh, to be that close to all of those people. There is there is still a pandemic going on, sir. And and we're going to ridicule you harder if you get the covid than we did Trump and we went hard on Trump. Cuz supposedly you're the administration that believes in science and should know better. It is necessary in the political world because it is a win for Biden, a win that he desperately needed as his approval rating has sank. And the reason he was so gung-ho about it is because, motherfuckers, nobody loves a bridge more than Joe Biden. Let me ask you about longer term. You were here in 2010 when President Obama signed the ACA, gave a couple of speeches and then moved on. Uh, is this going to be longer term? Uh, I have my a year from now, uh, best cat dad <laughs> mug. A year from now is an eternity away. Um, I will note. Um, the president uh, wants... It is not an eternity. Spend uh, some... Time goes so fast. It'll be Christmas before you know it. I've been uh, saying this for years now. And, and it keeps being Christmas! more than President Biden. Um, so you will certainly see him out there. You'll see the vice president out there quite a bit uh, over the coming weeks as well. You'll see cabinet members out Jen there. Jen Psaki. Well, uh, 
spanning across the country and talking about the direct impacts on people's lives. So nobody I loves a bridge more than Joe fucking Biden. A couple weeks, months from now, we will have a whole bevy of events and photos and uh, interviews that um, the, the team here will have done, including the president, to go out there and communicate directly with the American people. So the reason why they are going to be so gung-ho about doing an all-out media blitz is because they're fighting this narrative at the same time. California sets gas price record for second day running. I believe we have a video from CNN. A perfect storm of global events fueling concerns among experts we could soon see the wasn't stoned enough for that energy crisis since the 1970s where gas outages swept the nation and then president jimmy carter had to ask americans to reduce fuel consumption as the entire world struggled to get by we must face the fact that the energy shortage is permanent there is no way we can solve it quickly now the climate crisis is playing a major oh we could just pump some more fucking oil droughts in china and Brazil cut hydropower output, causing China to ramp up its reliance on coal, though it's now... Ex- Jimmy Carter underestimated our willingness to just completely ravage scenic lands, Amwar, offshore drilling, and utilize that in order to bump up domestic production. Experiencing a mass shortage, prompting rolling blackouts and factory stoppages across the country. And leading to There's a, a seed in this, in this pot. Other sources of electricity. As a general rule, demand is outpacing supply. With hurricanes in the U.S. having shut down and delayed shipments of oil. It's important to know that the region hit by Ida is the key center of our nation's oil production and refining infrastructure. Crude oil this week topping 85. Didn't know that. Got a geography lesson years. from Joe Biden. I was now being sarcastic. 120% from a year ago. Those hurricanes I'm in a mood US tonight. exports of natural gas. And that, combined with China going on a spending spree for natural gas, plus Russia playing politics with its pipeline, has sent prices through the roof. Russian President Vladimir Putin told its Kremlin-controlled energy company to start pumping gas to Europe once Russia finishes restocking its own supply. Natural gas prices in Europe are wild. Earlier this month, trading at the equivalent of $230 per barrel in oil terms. That's up more than 130% since the beginning of September, and more than eight times higher than the same... So to all you right-wingers, this is a problem worldwide, so it can't just be a Joe Biden problem that Joe Biden policies caused point last year, according to data from Independent Commodity Intelligence Services. And those natural gas shortages have also prompted Europe to return to coal production. A lot of countries across Europe are quietly um, switching on coal-fired power stations again that have been mothballed in the last few years because, uh, you know, rather run something dirty than uh, run out of electricity. Also increasing demand? Economic activity has bounced back from the pandemic shutdown last year at a pace few experts saw coming. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, before the pandemic, the world was consuming an average of 101 million barrels of oil every day. Now, during the pandemic slowdown, that plummeted down to 84.9 million at one point. But now this year, it's predicted to average more than 97 million barrels a day. And that will continue to climb. They've been withholding production as well. With no end in sight. My OPEC has just to inflate the price. 
as we get by knowing that this moment was the, coming, that this inflection to, I mean, point was the heading year, uh, their way. I don't see anything that's going to happen in the meantime that's going to re- significantly reduce gas prices. Complicating all of this is the desire to move to clean energy, where the infrastructure is not yet up to speed. Everyone has a role to play, and everyone is building a clean energy future and a stronger economy. With winter coming, the cold could bring so Winter is coming. ...the pocketbooks of already struggling American families. And in other parts of the world, it could lead to no energy at all which experts predict could lead to even more chaos. We're going to end up with a real shortage of energy. You're going to get very unhappy people uh, around the world, on the emerging markets in particular, but in the developed... Oh, honey. Seeing it at the moment. We've already got so many unhappy people. Then, Richard, uh, is, is, is you've got real unrest. His head is so shiny. It was kind of an odd place to end. Since the Biden administration also asked their thoughts today about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, the thing I guess is on everybody's mind. Ongoing court case. Why did President Biden suggest that Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Kenosha is a white supremacist? Did he actually say that? So, Peter, what I, I'm not going to speak to right now is anything about an ongoing trial, uh, nor the president's past comments. Uh, what I can reiterate for you is the president's uh, view uh, that we shouldn't have, broadly speaking, uh, vigilantes patrolling our communities with assault weapons. We shouldn't have opportunists corrupting peaceful protests by rioting and burning down the communities they claim to represent anywhere in the country. As you know, closing arguments in this particular case, which I'm not speaking to. I'm just making broad comments about his own view. Um, there's an ongoing trial. We're waiting. What, what did Joe Biden say exactly? But the president has spoken to it already. And his mom now, Kyle Rittenhouse's mom came out saying that the president defamed her son. And that claims, uh, she claims that when the president suggested her son is a white supremacist, he was doing that to win votes. Is that what happened? I just have nothing more to speak to an ongoing case uh, where the closing arguments were just made. Go ahead. Given the National Guard is on standby, though, in, in Wisconsin right now, Jen, does the White House or the President have any message to those who may stir up trouble regardless of the outcome at the end of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial? Well, I can give you a little bit of an update that we're in contact, the White House is in contact with state officials at the request of community leaders. The Department of Justice's Community Relations Service has provided trainings on de-escalation and contingency planning to local community organizations, and they're prepared to provide any further assistance that is needed. Um, But, you know, our message, I would say, is that... um, You know, President Biden ran on a promise to bring Americans together and to turn down the temperature on the angry, divisive rhetoric and actions we saw over the past. Okay, okay, so it was a campaign ad. This is the campaign ad that they are referring to. Fortunately, you won't let me log in. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? I, Go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything. So that, that was the campaign ad. 
had it had a brief flash of Rittenhouse in it, while a voiceover of Chris Wallace is talking about militias and white supremacist groups. Um, there is no way in the world <laughs> that that they would win that case at all. four years that's his overarching objective it doesn't mean that he doesn't understand of course he does uh when emotions are high when passions are high we're here to provide support um and obviously we're going to uh wait for any verdict to uh come out um and beyond that certainly we we uh you know are are hopeful that any protest will be peaceful all right so let's let's get Rittenhouse's mom on with Sean Hannity. Very first interview since her son took the stand. Wendy Rittenhouse is with us. Um, I'm sure this is a hard time for you and your family. Uh, I want to take this audience back. This is the first time I'm hearing her speak at length. And he had a tough time. Let me play this. I was cornered from in front of me with. Thank, Thank you for playing this, Sean. And there were <laughs> there were three people right there. I'm I'm sorry, like that's just that's a pathetic performance. That's what I <laughs> Wendy, I watched that. This this whole fucking trial has been just my whole life, and that mm. seemed like a classic panic attack that we were witnessing on the stand. A classic panic attack, Sean Hannity said. How did that make you feel? It just. I just broke down with with Kyle crying like that. It made me feel heartbroken, sad, and I wanted to just go up there and just hug him and tell him it would be okay. When the then candidate, now president of the United States and other elected officials mm-hmm. that don't know anything about your son refer to him as a white supremacist, I have yet to see any evidence whatsoever that he is such a person. Mm-hmm. And when prominent people... Well, they lump him in because he took pictures with the Proud Boy where he's making the WP, white power, symbol in the pictures. Say that. What did that... How did that impact you and how did it impact him? When I saw what um, afterwards of the um, President Kennedy um, candidate um, debate, when I saw that, I was shocked. I was angry. President Biden don't know my. When when people talk about his connection to hate groups it is because of these pictures right here 
Just to be clear. Son whatsoever, and he's not a white supremacist, he's not a racist, and he did that for the votes, and I was so angry for a while at him. And He did it to appease the woke mob, that's the argument she's making. Let's go back to that night, and let's roll this videotape. This was put together by your former, your son's former attorney, Lynn Wood. And you see, oh my God! And you see a crowd of people racing to catch up to him. The first person knocks off his hat. Then he's down on the ground. Then we've got this picture of an individual with his leg up, about to pound his leg into his face into the cement. That was one of the shootings. What do you see there? I see this man trying to kick my son in the face. I was scared. I was frightened. I thought my son was going to die that night. When you, when you, when you see the tape and you've heard witnesses testify that he was trying to de-escalate the situation there, when you look at the tape, when you look at the witness testimony... He was trying to de-escalate the situation. the prosecution brings on their star witness who got shot by your son. And that star witness admitted on the stand under oath that he aimed a loaded gun at your son before your son shot he him. He didn't say that. That would seem to me a classic case of self-defense. Your thoughts? When I look at that video with that guy pointing a gun to my son's head, I thought... That video does not exist. This guy just put, pointed his gun at his head. And I... It took a long time to just, to, just to grasp on that he was alive. And knowing that he's with me, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, and I'm. And I want everybody to be prepared. Like he's going to be a superstar of the ride. He's going to be on all kinds of podcasts and TV shows. He's going to be a fucking guest on Godfield. He'll be on the panel cracking jokes. Let me let me ask you about the judge who has been extraordinarily harsh against the prosecution. Against the prosecution, yes. Borderline. They may be over the borderline. It better stop. I was astonished when you began your examination by commenting on post-arrest silence. It has been basic law in this country for 40, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like yeah. that. Don't get brazen with me. You knew very well attorneys Mm -hmm. can't go into these types of areas. Do you think your son has received a fair trial? As he sits on that throne. The judge is very fair. Um, People that I talked to that lives in Kenosha all their lives, they told me that Judge Droder is a very fair judge, and he doesn't... He's a very fair judge. ...in his courtroom. I can't blame a, a media, a not media savvy, a not media trained person. I'm not asking you specifically. Fucking up their words their on national TV. As you, on a scale of one to ten, how seriously? 
do you believe they're taking this case because they hold your son's life in their hands? Yeah, they do. And with the jury, they've been keeping a close eye on every evidence, every testimony, and they're... And this interview took place before the judge threw out the weapons charge. Let me ask you Because of barrel length. I know your son was a lifeguard. I know your son's stated reason for going there was to help protect stores and 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 help on the medical front. Mm-hmm. Um, have you and your son discussed whether or not if he had to do it over again, he would go into a situation like that? With Kyle, I know him and he probably would do it again because that's the type of person he is. <laughs> He always wants to help people. Stupid. Since he was a little boy, that's all he wanted to do. He would do it again because he's stupid. It was raking leaves for the neighbors, talking to them, or just being goofy. Yeah. That's how I raised him, is to help people. Wendy, I can't, I've learned in 33 years of broadcasting not to predict a jury outcome. Um... But I will tell you, I think the prosecution has put on a horrific case. Thank you for being with us. Sean Hannity's uh, right. I... Yes, let's go ahead and get the rundown before we move on to some other notable court cases that we had movement on today. Closing arguments conclude in Kyle Rittenhouse's trial. Both the prosecution and the defense delivered their closing arguments Monday in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Prosecutors argued Rittenhouse had a part in creating the volatile and dangerous situation in Kenosha on August the 25th and said he had multiple opportunities to either flee to safety or use non-lethal means of defense. Rittenhouse's defense team, meanwhile, argued Rittenhouse's actions were justified, saying he had been under assault from the victims he shot. Jury will begin deliberations on Tuesday. Judge Bruce Schroeder told the court Monday evening the panel of 18 jurors, eight men and 10 women, will be narrowed down to 12 who will deliberate the case by a random drawing using a raffle tumbler Tuesday morning. Jurors were asked to report back to the court at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Not yet. Possibly we sh- we could know as soon as like tomorrow afternoon. The judge dismissed the gun charge against Rittenhouse. Schroeder dismissed count six of the indictment against Rittenhouse, a misdemeanor charge for possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. The charge was punishable by up to nine months in prison. Prosecutors argued Rittenhouse can't claim self-defense on a danger you create. The assistant district attorney argued that video shows that Rittenhouse provoked the fatal encounter with Rosenbaum and suggested he should never been uh, should never have been at the protest armed because it wasn't a situation in which he was protecting his home or his family. Prosecutors say Rittenhouse could have fled. Prosecutors also say Rittenhouse lied to the press and bystanders. The defense accuses the prosecution of lying. Early in its closing statements, the defense argued prosecutors had mischaracterized Rittenhouse's role in the violence in Kenosha, telling the jury that the Binger was lying and... Oh, that Binger, that's the name of the prosecutor, was lying and misrepresenting the evidence when he said the defendant provoked violence. 
defense attorney Mark Richards and said Richard uh, Mark Richards said Rittenhouse was taking off when shooting victim Rosenbaum and others started chasing him. The defense says Rittenhouse was under attack. Richards said before Rittenhouse shot Anthony Huber, the shooting victim strikes him in the head and was going for a second lick. He also said Rosenbaum was leaping and lunging at Rittenhouse when he shot. Judge does clearly have brain worms. I, but there's, there is no way to appeal a judge's decision when the defendant gets off. Like, and it doesn't seem like the judge is apt to declare a mistrial. Meanwhile, in Georgia, we have the McMichael case. I the the next thing you're going to see is he's going to be a fucking media darling for the ride. He's going to be on all their podcasts and YouTube shows. Get ready to have that motherfucker in your face. Now you can see my interview with him. I did about this time last year. That's that's on the YouTube. Judge in Aubrey case, I don't like that it calls it the Aubrey case. This is the McMichael trial. The judge in the McMichael trial rebukes the defense lawyer and calls comments reprehensible. So this is this is, this is the defense lawyer right here. And he's talking about uh, Jesse Jackson, I believe, was in attendance. There's only so many pastors they can have. And if their pastor's Al Sharpton right now, that's fine. But then that's it. We don't want any more black pastors coming in here or other Jesse Jackson, whoever was in was in here earlier this week, sitting with the victim's family, trying to influence a jury in this case. It's it's kind of wild that we've let Kirsten Cinema. Yeah, that's that's has nothing to do with what we just watched. The judge presiding over the trial for those charged with the murder of Amand Aubrey. That was the young man who was jogging in a neighborhood and went up to a, a house that was under construction and then was shot by the white man in Georgia. Which really freaks me out because I used to go in houses that were under construction all the time and smoke pot. Speaking of smoking pot, I hit the ribs. Never got shot any of the times that I was in a, a house under construction. Just shitting around, smoking, smoking joints. So the judge admonished defense attorney Kevin Goh on Monday after Goh uh, motioned for a mistrial, citing the presence of prominent black pastors throughout the proceedings. It's the second time that Go has made remarks about the presence of black pastors in the courtroom. Judge Timothy Walmsley called those comments reprehensible and immediately ruled against the motion for a mistrial. What we have now with individuals coming into the courtroom, I will say that is directly in response, Mr. Go, to statements you made, which I find reprehensible. The Colonel Sanders statement you made last week I would suggest maybe something that has influenced what is going on here, Go said. 
What was the? Is it going to tell us the Colonel Sanders remark? I'm. I am. My interest is peaked now. Aubrey, who was black, was jogging through a Brunswick, Georgia neighborhood on February the 25th when a trio of white men, or white men, father-son duo Greg and Travis McMichael, and their neighbor William Roddy uh, Bryan began trailing him in two vehicles. The three say they believed Aubrey was connected to a string of alleged break-ins in the area. The men eventually stopped and surrounded Aubrey, 25. There was a brief struggle before Aubrey was fatally shot in the chest with a shotgun. Uh, the graphic footage of Aubrey's killing was, uh, wasn't released until three months later in May of 2020, quickly going viral and sparking national outrage. McMichaels and Brian, who Go represents, are all facing counts of felony murder. Go has repeatedly sought to argue that the presence of figures such as Jackson and Sharpton at the trial is unfair to his client. Jackson, a former presidential candidate, was present in the courtroom Monday morning when Go made his mistrial motion. On Thursday, Go moved to have Sharpton and other prominent black figures barred from the courtroom arguing that they could be used to intimidate the jury. Go went on, eventually making a reference to Colonel Sanders, the mascot of fast food chain Kentucky Fried Chicken. If a bunch of folks came in here dressed like Colonel Sanders with white masks sitting in the back, I mean, that would be... He said before Walmsley cut him off. The next day, the defense attorney made a public apology in the court, but his actions have nonetheless garnered widespread pushback. It also led Sharpton to call on other black pastors to come to join him outside of the Glen County Courthouse this coming Thursday. Well, well there you go. Another ho, uh, another ho, another ho. Yeah, let's do another ho. Another ho in a high-profile case is Ghislaine Maxwell, <laughs> who apparently got a total makeover. The accused madam wears civilian curl, uh, clothes and his freshly dyed hair for jury selection in her sex trafficking trial. Uh, do we get the, we don't get a, uh, in federal court, they don't allow cameras, so we won't get actual pictures. You get a court drawing. Driven out of her prison jumpsuit, Ghislaine wore civilian clothes for the first time since being locked up more than one year ago. Attempting to look polished, Jeffrey Epstein's alleged madame wore gray slacks and a black turtleneck. as They began picking the jury that will decide her fate. Ghislaine's gray hair was noticeably covered, sporting a freshly dyed brown bob. It appears the accused sex trafficker got her locks colored before heading into court. Let's see if we can uh, check out some pictures. I did see the court drawing earlier. That is the federal court drawing of Ghislaine Maxwell. 
blows kisses in court. Well, there you go. Meanwhile, Alex Jones apparently didn't show up for court and lost by default in another Sandy Hook defamation case. Jones will have to pay damages to Sandy Hook parents and an amount to be decided next year, continuing his unbroken streak of losing lawsuits. Alex Jones had been found liable by default by a Connecticut by a Connecticut judge in another defamation case brought against him by the parents of children killed at Sandy Hook Elementary School. The New York Times reported on Monday that a judge ruled against Jones after he failed to respond to basic discovery requests, which also caused him to lose the prior Sandy Hook cases brought in Texas. Juries in both states are expected to decide next year how much he'll have to pay in damages. Jones and his Free Speech Systems LLC, the parent company that owns InfoWars, were sued in a series of lawsuits in 2018. In all, Jones was sued by 10 sets of parents in four separate cases over comments he made on air about Sandy Hook. Jones repeatedly claimed that the Sandy Hook shootings were a giant hoax orchestrated to advance a gun control agenda. The Hartford Current reported that in issuing her default judgment, Connecticut Superior Court Judge Barbara Bellis said Jones and his attorneys had shown callous disregard of their obligation to respond to discovery, including turning over financial records. The ruling means that a jury will now only uh, decide damages and the case will not advance to a civil trial. Jones and InfoWars scrubbed much of what they said about the Sandy Hook shootings from their website and videos after the backlash to his comments began to grow. A search on InfoWars.com today turns up no results for the phrase Sandy Hook. However, a site-specific Google search for InfoWars turns up many of the outlet's previous Sandy Hook stories. A 2020 court filing, an attorney for Jones said he no longer believed the shootings were a hoax, but Media Matters helpfully collected the lowlights of what Jones said on air for the years prior to that. Ooh, let's watch some Alex Jones. It's been a while. Sandy Hook, it's got inside job written all over it. Sandy Hook is a synthetic, completely fake, with actors, in my view, manufactured. I couldn't believe it at first. People just instinctively know that there's a lot of fraud going on. Uh, but it took me about a year with Sandy Hook to come to grips with the fact that the whole thing was fake. Yeah, I can't. I can't do seven fucking minutes of this. Hyped it up. And the first, the first goddamn twenty-nine seconds were incredibly incriminating. Now, here is the video that I've been waiting for over the weekend, maybe Friday. I don't remember when it was. Steve Bannon. I think it was Friday. Steve Bannon was indicted. He turned himself in to the feds earlier today. This was his speech. One time, White House strategist Steve Bannon threatened to make the charges against him the misdemeanor from hell. 
This was his first court appearance since being indicted. Listen, or, or, ordinarily, we don't like to comment on the case, but I have an uh, obligation to respond to something the Attorney General Garland wrote. Attorney General Garland wrote, he promised Justice Department employees would show the American people by word and deed, Justice Department adheres to the rule of law, follows the facts in the law, and pursues equal justice. Now, I, want you, I want you to know he was on air when he got indicted. And was actually talking about something completely different on his War Room Pandemic show. And the TV behind him is on MSNBC and saying, Steve Bannon indicted for ignoring a subpoena to Cong- or from Congress. Under the law. I assume here you can take off your masks? Yes. Do it. Okay. It's a free country. There is nothing about this case that reflects the pursuit of the equal justice under the law. This thing was a scam from the beginning. The committee, the committee, the committee that was convened here was convened exclusively of people who have made prejudgments and announced them publicly. The chair of the committee sued President Trump personally and before he was even appointed to his position, determined and put in writing that President Trump was responsible for the events of January 6th. This is not an investigative committee. There's nothing for him. Well, he is. When he's made a prejudgment. Now, well, we all saw it. There's no prejudgment. We just saw it, motherfucker. It's not equal justice under the law, Mr. Garland, to charge a matter like this criminally. The holder of the privilege in this case, executive privilege, invoked the privilege. Mr. Bannon is a layperson. When the privilege has been invoked by the purported holder of privilege, he has no choice but to withhold. Has not. He can't put the genie back in the bottle. Um, Mr. Bannon had acted as his lawyer counseled him to do by not appearing and by not and by not turning over documents in this case. He didn't refuse to comply. He made quite clear that if a court ordered him to comply, he would do that. But he had an obligation to honor the privilege that was invoked. And in terms of this, this, this is a court ordering you to comply, motherfucker. Department of Justice policy that's binding on the executive branch. It is outrageous that a criminal charge was brought in this case. It is a misdemeanor. But it's being treated as if it were a capital case. Um, Mr. Bannon takes this very seriously. It's outrageous what the government did. The principles of equal justice under law that Mr. Attorney General Garland speaks about are vitally important to all of us. And we all lose as Americans when they're selectively used and when we violate that principle. You see these signs right here and the guys over here saying insurrection and all that? That's what this country's about. It's freedom of speech. They got their opinions. We have our opinions. Okay? Hang on. They have their opinions. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the misdemeanor from hell for Merrick Garland, Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden. Joe Biden ordered Merrick Garland to prosecute me from the White House lawn when he got off Marine One. And we're going to do, we're going to go on the offense. We're tired of playing defense. We're going to go on the offense on this. This motherfucker is going to make himself out to be a martyr and it's going to fucking work. Stand by. By the way, by the way, by the way, you should understand. Nancy Pelosi took is taking on Donald Trump and Steve Bannon. She ought to ask Hillary Clinton how that turned out for them. Okay, we're going on the offense. Stand by. God damn. You should you should be outraged if he ever faced that possibility as an American. There is nothing criminal about any conduct that occurred in this case. And when we respond to Merrick Garland, we say, apply the, e- apply the law equally. They don't have, who else did they prosecute for invoking executive privilege in a criminal prosecution? If you could bottle the audacity. 
it's unconstitutional according between to the two men on your on your screen right now including by the way read the office of legal counsel the white man audacity the fast and the furious case this is unheard of to force a, a, a person to uh, violate the invocation of executive privilege. The Fast and the Furious, he's pulling out the hits. Trump's case in Trump versus Thompson on whether executive privilege applies. But even beyond that, the Office of Legal Counsel Opinions make clear that it applies to discussions with former government officials. And that oh, because he's talking about Holder not wanting to testify. Okay. Former officials kept in the loop that the president needs to consult with. And whatever you happen to think the president, President Trump talked about at the time, that's what executive privilege exists for, so that people can speak freely with the president, uh, talk about strategy members and matters, and talk about national security and other important matters. Uh, by the way, by the way, by the way, not just Trump people and not just conservatives. Every progressive, every liberal in this country that, that likes freedom of speech and liberty, okay, should... Only Steve fucking Bannon would be over his lawyer's shoulder just talking away. No other lawyer... Like, seriously, like, who who fucking does that? Be fighting for this case. That's why I'm here today. For everybody, I'm never going to back down. And they, they, they. You got to admit he's got balls. Okay. They took on the wrong guys. They salami balls. Because he was instructed by his attorney not to show up in Congress. A lay person has to follow his attorney's, uh, has to follow his attorney's advice, in my view at least. When he's faced with a subpoena, he doesn't know anything about legal process otherwise. He relies on a lawyer, and the lawyer gave the advice, and, I must say, relies on the Office of Legal Counsel Opinions, which very clearly say that he need not so show up. No, no, I don't the think it, executive privilege there's no other choice. Out. Once the privilege is invoked, what would the choice be? Show up and testify. And by the way, they ask he ain't got no privilege, son. To have those people invoking the privilege. It is, it is Joe Biden's call on privilege, and he did not invoke it. Make an objection if a privilege matter came up. They refuse to allow that. By, by the way, by the way, if the administrative state wants to take me on, bring it. Because we're here to fight this, and we're going to go on offense. I seriously like the audacity of white man. Pelosi, Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, the whole, the whole. I'm I'm making this an NFT. This screenshot right here. This is an NFT called the audacity of white man. You can buy it for like one million cryptocurrencies. legal process otherwise he relies on a lawyer and the lawyer gave the advice and i must say relies on the office of legal counsel opinions which very clearly say that he need not so show up no no i don't think there's no other choice once the privilege is invoked what would the choice be show up and testify and by the way they asked to have members if you were to testify to have those people invoking the privilege a representative of the person invoking the privilege present just to be able to monitor it and make an objection if a privilege matter came up. They refuse to allow that. By, by the way, by the way, if the administrative state wants to take me on, bring it. Because we're here to fight this, and we're going to go on offense. You stand by. See, our justice system would be a hell of a lot better if everyone was entitled to an attorney that acted like fucking that for everything and just bullied the government. You have a right to a damn good attorney that's going to bully the fucking government for anything. And our legal system would be a million times better. But no, it's only it's only available to rich people. 
What he means, okay. what he means by offense is we're going to challenge this affirmatively. We're going to. By offense, he means like you were you were sucking his dick when you were down there. Quite frankly, I represented the American Civil Liberties Union for more than 20 years and all the litigation they had in Alabama. This is an issue that the American Civil Liberties Union ought to be on our side with. Okay, we got. Let's bounce. All right, we got to go. Wow. <laughs> He's, he's invoking the ACLU. Meanwhile, a court has temporarily de- uh, delayed the release of Trump's January 6th records. Federal appeals court on Thursday temporarily blocked the release of White House records sought by a U.S. House committee investigating the January 6th insurrection, granting for now a request from former President Donald Trump Last I left you, we were awaiting the dump of documents Friday at 6 o'clock. That never happened. The administrative injunction issued by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit effectively bars until the end of this month the release of records that were to be turned over on Friday. The appeals court set oral arguments in the case for November 30th. The stay gives the court time to consider arguments in a uh, momentous clash between the former president, whose supporters stormed the Capitol on January 6th, and President Joe Biden and Congress, who have pushed for a thorough investigation of the riot. It delays the House committee from reviewing records uh, that lawmakers say could shed light on the events leading up to the insurrection and Trump's efforts to delegitimize an election he lost. I think it's absolute bullshit that they can't just turn over the fucking records. Bullshit. Speaking of January the 6th, finally, I want to ask about President Trump. This is Senator Barrasso. Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming. Correspondent had an interview with President Trump he released this week where the president seems to defend those who are saying hang Mike Pence on January 6th. Want to show it. Were you worried about him during that, that siege? Were you worried about no, his safety? No, I thought he was well protected and I, I had heard that he... No, I wasn't worried about Mike yeah, Pence. That was terrible. I mean, was, you know, the... He could have... Well, the people were very angry. We're saying hang Mike because Pence. Because it's... It's common sense. How can you, if you know a vote is fraudulent, right? It's common sense to hang Mike Pence. To Congress. So he says hang Mike Pence is common sense. Can your party tolerate a leader who defends murderous chance against his own vice president? Well, well, the answer is yes. Let me just say the Republican Party is incredibly united right now. And it's because of the policy. Behind a fascist. And I think the more that the Democrats and the press becomes obsessed with President Trump, I think the better it is for the Republican Party. What, the way you motherfuckers obsess over fucking Bill and Hillary Clinton? Or fucking Jimmy Carter? Like, you demonize every fucking figure that's remotely on the left. You guys obsess over politicians. President Trump brings lots of energy to the party. He's an enduring force but elections are about energy is what he wants to call it 
that's what we saw in Virginia and all I am not high enough for this year and the Republican policies and the Trump policies of a strong economy and American energy not begging Vladimir Putin to produce more oil which is what Joe Biden is doing those are policies that we're going to continue to run on in the future so you have no problem with the president saying uh, hang Mike Pence's comments he has no problem with it George I was with Mike Pence in the Senate chamber during January 6th. And what happened was they quickly got Vice President Pence out of there, certainly a lot faster than they removed the senators. I believed he was safe the whole time. Um, I didn't hear any of those chants. I don't believe that he did either. And Vice President Pence came back into the chamber that night and certified the election. Well, we just played the chance. I'm asking if you if you believe if you can tolerate the president saying hang Mike Pence's t- common sense. Common sense. It's, it's not common sense. But there are issues of every election. I voted to certify the election. And what we have seen on this election, there are areas that needed to be looked into, like what we saw in Pennsylvania. We all want fair and free elections. That's where we need to go for the future. But you're not going to criticize President Trump for those views? No. I don't agree with President Trump on everything. I agree with him on the policies that have brought us... He agrees with him on hang Mike Pence. And I'm going to continue to support those policies and continuing to work to stop what Joe Biden is doing to this country, which I believe is... Which is anti-hang Mike Pence. Senator Barrasso, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking. Ooh, shut the fuck up, George. <laughs> I It sounded like he was pretty pro hang Mike Pence. That's just me. Apparently, Chris Christie, has he got a new book or something that he's, he's hawking? Uh, this is an excerpt from his interview on HBO. I think those people who say that they will defer to Donald Trump have disqualified themselves from being president. Because if you're not willing to stand up to, to someone, then you how can you going to be standing up for everyone when you're president? And so these are some other prospective Republican candidates sure. in 2024, either have said they defer or clearly are. You find that disqualifying. I do, because I think that if you believe that you have the talent, the ability, the skills to be president of the United States. Does, whoa, 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 whoa. Does this motherfucker think he's going to be president? Does he? No, 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 no. He doesn't think he's going to be president, does he? No, no, no. Anyone, if you believe you're the best person. In the last days of the Trump administration, The New Yorker published a Q&A with you with the headline, Chris Christie has no regrets. Really? I really don't. Look, Mike, you I don't regret prepping Donald Trump for his bait in to run for re-election. I do not. I do not. The only regret I have so about that is that I, really... the only regret I have about that is I caught COVID when I was doing it. You were I was about to say, like you caught COVID, motherfucker. You went to the hospital. That people who've had it should tell others like what a random and what a lethal disease it is. Well, look, I can just tell you my experience was uh, feeling fine until I didn't. And then my body ached like I've never felt in my life. 
I had very, very high fevers, um, sweating, uh, difficulty breathing, um, and brutal headaches. And I spent seven days in the intensive care unit by myself, completely isolated. Oh. Um, the nurses only came And that was in... when we really didn't know much about COVID. No, it was October of, of 2020, and it was very scary. And I mean, I th- you, you thought you could die. I definitely thought I could die. So yeah. if I won't get the shot, what would you say to me? I would say to you, talk to people like me who have had it. Talk to the family members of people who died from it. And talk to your doctor. Your doctor. I mean, at this point, like, if you if you seen all the videos of people on their fucking deathbed and like, I wish I gotten vaccinated. And that hasn't convinced you to get the fucking shot. I don't, I don't know what will maybe, maybe if, if Trump was to not get his booster and since he's around all these dumb fucks, He's likely to get reinfected. I think we might be on, uh... Trump dies of COVID watch. Just saying. Apparently, Christy told, uh, Axios, I tried to call him to give him advice on what I thought he needed to be doing to stop the violence. Apparently on January the 6th. Called Kelly Ann Conway first and said to, uh, to her, have you spoken to him? And she said she had not. And she said, I think we both need to call him. And I said, absolutely. So I then called the president's secretary. Couldn't get through. I then called his body guy. Didn't pick up. I then called the president's cell phone and he didn't pick up. The two were once so close, Christy uh, called him Donald even when he was in the White House. Right after Christy appeared on a Sunday show, the president would call him in the car and critique his appearance. I was desperate to try to get in touch with him, Christy told me, because I felt like what was happening was awful and was going to stain, going to be a stain on his presidency, and I wanted him to be the guy to stand up and stop it. But he didn't take the call, and so I said what I would have said to him privately on the air on ABC. Christy, who's gaming out a possible run for president in 2024, don't do it, motherfucker. You will not win. You will be embarrassed. Holy shit. You are are not cut out for it. That he still considers Trump a friend and still would have supported him over President Biden. Wow. But Christie was critical of Trump's rejection of Mike Pence for not going along with lies about the election. I think it was an awful, awful, uh, I think it was an awful act to a vice president who had been extraordinarily loyal and a guy who deserved much better. Yes, Christie has a book. That is apparently out tomorrow. Called Republican Rescue, which includes his prescription for the GOP. But the the herpes on the GOP just isn't going away. Trump's attacks 
on McConnell seen as a prelude to a 2024 White House bid. The former president, Donald Trump, is refusing to let his feud with Senator Mitch McConnell die, instead amplifying it in what Republican strategists suspect is an effort to rev up the GOP base ahead of a 2024 campaign for president. More than anyone else in politics, McConnell, the Senate minority leader, is emblematic of the Republican establishment in Washington, and Trump's repeated salvos against McConnell appear designed to make it clear to GOP-based voters that Trump, despite his four years in the White House, would be the true outsider candidate in the 2024 primary. Trump has signaled his interest in running again for president in other ways, including supporting the work of the Make America Great Again Action Super PAC, which held its first fundraising event at the Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey. The former president is framing the 2022 Republican primaries as a choice between his America First brand of conservative populism and a party establishment that isn't entirely in step with its conservative base. Now, I hope that Trump gets involved in the 2022 primaries as much as he possibly can and tears the GOP apart, but the Democrats need to not focus so much on fucking Trump and actually talk about what they're going to do for people. And they need to deliver something and have a unifying message in 2022 or they're going to get fucking stomped. Somebody who might have a chance of winning and flipping a Republican seat in 2022. Running for governor, and I want to tell you why. This is Beto O'Rourke. February, when the electricity grid failed, and millions of our fellow Texans were without power, which meant that the lights wouldn't turn on, the heat wouldn't run, and pretty soon their pipes froze and the water stopped flowing. They were abandoned by those who were elected to serve and look out for them. It's a symptom of a much larger problem that we have in Texas right now. Those in positions of public trust have stopped. I mean, he's a shit lib, but I mean, how much better are you going to do in fucking Texas? The people of Texas. And so they're not focused on the things that we really want them to do, like making sure that we have a functioning. It would be a major improvement over the current governor, Greg Abbott. World class schools or that we make progress on the things that most of us actually agree on, like expanding Medicaid or legalizing marijuana. Instead, they're focusing on the kind of extremist policies uh, around abortion or permitless carry. Or Apparently, there is a push within the Republican really Party divide us to legalize the pot and stop us from working together on the truly big things that we want to achieve for one another. It's a really small vision for such a big state, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I know that together we can get back to being big again, because I saw that in February when the electricity grid failed and those in power failed all of us. It was the people of Texas who were willing. He to was. He came closer than anyone would have ever thought he would have come to beating Ted Cruz. Texans get through that crisis, and he has more name recognition this, this time. Sense of duty so I, I would think it is possible. Now imagine if the government. But once again, it's all about turnout. Well, there's something that you and I can do about that. I want you to be part of this campaign. And whether that begins today with a campaign contribution or signing up for a volunteer shift or just committing yourself. I am not giving money to Beto O'Rourke. This election is I want you on the team and I want to win this with you. I will root you on, motherfucker, and hope that you win. I'm not giving money to a Beto O'Rourke campaign. Meanwhile, in Vermont, 
Looks like they will be getting a new senator. Democratic Senator Patrick Leahy, 81, is retiring after eight terms in office. Said Monday he won't seek re-election next year to the seat he's held since 1975. Good God damn. Dude's not even a fucking baby boomer, is he? We God, we need we need a great resignation going on in the halls of Congress and getting these old fucks out of there. The decision by Leahy among the Senate's more liberal members marks the end of a political era. He's the last of the so-called Watergate babies, the surge of congressional Democrats elected in the 1974 uh, president uh, after President Richard Nixon resigned to avoid impeachment. He's also among a dwindling group of a more collegial error, era, error, era when senators had more harmonious relationships despite ide- ideological differences among those in Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Now one of Congress's sharpest partisans who served alongside Leahy for over three decades and praised him warmly as an all-time Senate institution. Now this next story comes from the New York Post, so take it with a grain of salt. There's retirement talk growing around at Representative Jerry Nadler. I would be all for that. Representative Jerry Nadler, a liberal warhorse was represented Manhattan's West Side in Congress since 1992, may pack it in at the end of his current term. Insiders tell the Post people are wondering when he would decide to retire, said one associate who noted that Democrats could lose control of the House of Representatives next year, with Nadler facing a prolonged future in the minority. He has a fighting spirit, but maybe now is the time to exit. The second person around Nadler said the congressman has refused to give a straight answer. When the subject comes up, Nadler, like every member of the House, would be up for re-election in the 2022 midterms, is unlikely to face a serious primary. Which, once again, is a fucking shame. Though the 74-year-old has long been a vigorous and vocal legislator, some say age and ill health have finally caught up with him. Two people who saw him recently said he could barely walk. Meanwhile, down in Florida, it seems that Matt Gates may be facing serious competition from Rebecca Jones, who was the woman that accused the DeSantis administration of altering COVID data. There ended up being some problems with her story. We watched the raid on her house. But a new poll shows the scandal-ridden congressman's popularity is plummeting. Once again, I ask the question, how the fuck is Matt Gates still in Congress? This is this is a poll or uh, this is fr- this is from a blog called Florida Politics. The sex scandal hurt US Representative Matt Gates enough that he could lose to Democrat Rebecca Jones. A panhandle-based polling firm sees signs of vulnerability for the firebrand Republican, even in his deep red district. 
New survey results from the listener group show Gates' popularity slipping to its lowest point in two years, just under 50%. How is it even that fucking high? Of likely voters in Florida's first congressional district still view Gates favorably, making the first time he has dropped below 50% on the Pensacola polling outfits trend lines in the past two years. Just over 30% view the incumbent unfavorably or very unfavorably. I don't quite know what to think of Rebecca Jones anymore. We'll see how that plays out, but maybe she would make a good congressperson. Surely she would be better than Matt fucking Gates. But honestly, anyone would be better than Matt Gates, I would think. I think anybody would do a better job of being the Attorney General of Texas than Ken Paxton. The Texas Attorney General justifies supporting a state vaccine ban and opposing the federal mandate. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton was on Fox News Sunday and struggled to address the contradictory nature of his stance on the COVID-related mandates. Yeah, but, but you said that the businesses should take care of their own workers and the governor is saying they can't take care of their own workers as they see fit. They're prohibited from deciding, if they so choose, to issue a vaccine mandate. That's not consistent. Yeah, so, well, we're dealing with different types of requirements here. We've got state uh, government requirements, so it's clear that the governor has a different executive order for them, and we've been in all types of litigation with school districts and counties trying to stop them from forcing mandates in, in San Antonio uh, vaccines, and we've been successful. We've actually had no lawsuits against businesses. There's a lot more freedom with businesses to make their own decisions, but what I would say is that they, they should definitely consider their employees because we're in a situation right now with our economy where we can't afford to lose transportation employees and healthcare workers or law enforcement officers and that's that's happening people just gonna keep quitting on our economy and our ability to to help people but but i i just want to go through this one more time you're saying that they should have the authority and the ability to decide what their workers should do the governor's executive order prohibits them from deciding what they want to do he bans vaccine mandates isn't an, a, a, a mandate by the federal government are you saying there's a difference between a mandate to get a vaccine from the federal government is different in terms of the ability to take care of their own from a state mandate not to have vaccine mandates? Well, I think your question is a little confusing, but yes, the federal government has no authority to do this. Right now, we have OSHA guidelines that have not been authorized by Congress. They absolutely have no authority to do this. The governor has a different authority under state law that the legislature's given him, and he's operating under that state law. And so, so we're doing so he our can, best to defend. He, so he can tell private businesses what to do. It's okay. It's okay, and and they can't take care of their own. Well, look, I've, I'm more. I'm definitely agree that states have more authority over uh, over these areas than the federal government. The federal government has limited authority, and if Congress has not granted that authority to OSHA, it's confusing if you're stupid. Congress has authority. Yes, states have a lot of authority to deal with what's going on in their states, and and I think that's that's been clear from the founding of our country. See if this. 
It does not. Here, let's talk about the federal court stay on the Biden administration mandate. U.S. Appeals Court affirms its hold on the Biden COVID-19 vaccine mandate. U.S. Appeals Court on Friday upheld its decision to put on hold an order by President Joe Biden for companies with 100 workers or more to require COVID-19 vaccines, rejecting a challenge by his administration. A three-member panel of the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans affirmed its ruling despite the Biden administration's position that halting implementation of the vaccine mandate could lead to dozens or even hundreds of deaths. The mandate is staggeringly overboard or overbroad, the opinion said. The mandate is a one-size-fits-all sledgehammer that makes hardly any attempt to account for differences in workplaces and workers. Circuit Court Judge Kurt Englenhold wrote for the panel, Vaccine mandates are deeply controversial in the United States. Supporters say they are a must to put an end to the nearly two-year coronavirus pandemic. All opponents argue they violate the U.S. Constitution and curb individual liberty. The Fifth Circuit judges appear to agree with the opponents. The public interest is also served by maintaining our constitutional structure and maintaining the liberty of individuals to make intensely personal decisions according to their own convictions, even or perhaps particularly when those decisions frustrate government officials, Englehart wrote. The rule was issued by the, um, like, I would tend to agree with what Englehart said. Frustrating government officials is fun for me. As I said earlier, like, our justice system would be far better served if everybody had an attorney like Steve Bannon's attorney that was willing to just frustrate the government. The rule was issued by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration and mandates that businesses with at least 100 employees require staff to get vaccinated or face weekly tests, 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 and face mask requirements, which doesn't seem outlandish to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. This is happening at the same time that perhaps the COVID winter surge is already here, according to an NBC News article. New surge of COVID-19 cases expected to start hitting the United States around Thanksgiving. Just as the holiday season begins, public health experts are warning. But with more and more Americans vaccinated, it's, uh, it's not likely to linger as long or do as much damage because there's a level of protection this season that wasn't there last year, they say. I don't think the spike will be as bad as last winter because we have vaccines available and the approval for younger age groups is a big game changer, especially for hospitalizations and death rates, said Monica Wang, an associate professor of community health sciences at the Boston University School of Public Health. Dr. Sedia Khan, an epidemiologist at the Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, agreed. I remain hopeful with the approval of vaccines for 5 to 11-year-olds that we are heading into a safer holiday season than last year. Still, the threat of another COVID surge is real, and political leaders like California Governor Gavin Newsom, 
whose state is still recovering from a wave of Delta variant infections that clogged hospital emergency rooms, are urging Americans to remain vigilant. Meanwhile, Dr. Fauci is saying if you are fully vaccinated, you can have yourself a normal holiday. Now, I was going to have a normal holiday anyway because my normal holiday consists of this year making Beef Wellington and having Sparkles come over and we watch Thanksgiving specials of TV sitcoms. That's, That's just what we do. Fully vaccinated families can feel good about gathering for the holidays, Fauci says. If you and your family are vaccinated against COVID-19, White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci on Monday gave the thumbs up on gathering for the holidays. If you get vaccinated and your family's vaccinated, you can feel good about enjoying a typical Thanksgiving Christmas with your family and close friends. Fauci, who was also director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, said in an interview on Monday hosted by the Bipartisan Policy Center. Oh, you can totally come and have Beef Wellington with me. I I will have plenty of Beef Wellington. How worried should we be about waning immunity? I honestly don't know. This is an article from the BBC. Let's see what they say. Let's nail some basics. The immune system has two big roles to stop us getting infected. And if that fails to clear our bodies of an infection, I want you to stretch your imagination and picture your immune system as a medieval castle. Oh, we're, we're, we're getting deep here. Surrounding the castle is a hostile and ruthless army of coronaviruses desperate to break in. Your first defense is an outer wall patrolled by a legion of archers. These are your body's neutralizing antibodies. If they can hold the viral army off, then you won't get infected. But if the walls crumble and the antibody archers wander off, then the virus is in. It has stormed the castle and you now have an infection. What the? I just want to know about waning immunity. Judging from their chart, it's not very significant. And they remain effective. Holy shit, this is a long article. Okay, okay. The good news is that even with waning... These are still exceptionally good vaccines. At the start of the pandemic, people were dreaming of a vaccine that could cut deaths by 50%. Even with waning and in most at-risk age groups, that protection is still in the region of 80 to 90%. So, yes, they wane, but not a significant amount. And it took a while into the article for me to find that out. Now, now, now. Here's some here's some fun time stuff for it. 
apparently Jimmy Kimmel did this bit where people reacted to clips of Lauren Boebert and tried to decide if it was Saturday Night Live or real life. We need a full investigation into just how many puppies were eaten alive on Fauci's watch. I think it was was a good skit. The look, the hair, the voice. Just to be clear, that was real. (laughs) Was perfect. Yeah, almost real. Almost real, exactly. I don't want old Uncle Joe to have as much time at the beach as possible. In fact, my impeachment articles would totally free up his schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's over the top, but that's what SNL is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a little, you know, to make the point. I like the actress. She's really pretty. She actually looks familiar. I was trying to figure out who she was. How do you think Lauren Boebert would feel? She's Lauren Boebert. I, I think she would feel like it was too far and be offended by it. If you're a public... <laughs> expect that type of stuff her own words were too far i delivered one of my children in the front seat of my truck because as a mom of four we got things to do ain't nobody got time (laughs) are you embarrassed to see hollywood portray a a congresswoman this way yes i am yes i am (laughs) that's how they betray one oh yes that was obviously scripted by whatever directors did all that. But I feel like the real Lauren would actually be like a little upset about that. She has family. She has kids. She has other people who ha- would have to see that. And it's embarrassing. Oh, these poor people. The country. <laughs> yes, it is. It should be embarrassing. They don't feel embarrassment. Now, what if I told you that this is really Lauren Bober? Seriously? It wasn't comedy at all, right? Like, she didn't mean it as a comedy. Oh, wow. No, no, she's dead fucking serious. She really said that. That's interesting. That almost seemed like... (laughs) Not that funny. (laughs) You know what? I I couldn't possibly agree more. Works as a comedy skit. I, like... SNL is fucking too real this is a clip from this Saturday night it just cracked me the fuck up hi your kid you want to hold the AR-15 I don't think I should pussy (laughs) (laughs) and I hear it was Cecily Strong as Marjorie Taylor Greene Pussy. <laughs> Which one's real? Which one's Saturday Night Live?
Yes, the Kimmel thing was awesome. Okay, so like I was never that big of, of a Kimmel fan, but then I worked for an ABC station, like an ABC affiliate, and you know when when our news would go off, the Kimmel would come on. Like that's that's the only thing I have in the studio is like our channel, right? So I would turn on Kimmel and listen to it while I was you know breaking down the studio, and like he won me over. He's he's fucking he's he's good. It's a it's a good late night talk show. I give him props. I had I hadn't watched him though since like the fucking man show when I was a kid. I had this I I have a video somewhere, but it's like deep 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 in my archives now of of foxes, literal foxes jumping on a trampoline. I want to make a man show joke about foxes jumping on a trampoline. But like, I don't know, fucking finding that fucking video. It's cute as fuck, though. I think I think I got uh, a cute as fuck video tonight. This is uh, Snow Leopards. Looks like somebody gave him a... Uh, Gave him a pumpkin to play with. That's adorable. If I died by snow leopard, I... I... Like, if it just played with my head like that, I would have no problem. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, how cute. Absolutely adorable. Look at its face. It's it's so sweet. I it would it would tear my fucking face off. And I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. Look at his big ass tail. Tear my fucking face off. That's exactly what I would be doing. Like, oh, you got my head. I wouldn't be mad about it. Not mad at all. Alright, if you're watching on Twitch, I'm going to dump you in Sansol's room. They may not be there right now. I'm sure they'll be right back. 
Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. I might see you tomorrow whenever the... Uh, uh, jury deliberates if they return a verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. I will go live and we will hear the verdict. Until then, no leopard. <laughs>